listening to First Church Charlotte. everyone. Welcome to Snow Day Sunday at First Church. We decided to proactively cancel our Sunday services because of the winter storm warning. Um, you probably are being snowed on right now. It's a 100% chance and we want to take care of our vulnerable members who perhaps should not be out driving in the snow but are too stubborn to stay home. You know who you are and we love you. Uh, so I am, it's my honor to bring the word of the Lord to you today, uh, however the format allows, and I am entitling this uh, Snow Day Sermon, a Snow Day Sermon. Uh, there was a mighty king in the Old Testament that all of you will have heard of. This is King David, perhaps the most notable of all the kings of Israel. He was a man of tremendous talent. He was a man of abilities, both intellectual as poet and worship writer, and also organizer, and also leader of men, and also athletic ability. He was a notable warrior. He had, I think, one element of his personality that supersedes all the other gifts. Now remember, he's a tremendously gifted individual. There's one thing that supersedes everything else, and that is David's heart for God, his passion for God. He attracted people, not simply in some type of an aesthetic or his appearance. He attracted people to follow him, and he started with people that no one else wanted, the dispossessed, the lowly. Uh, fugitives, those hiding in caves and in wild places. That's where he started. But David demonstrates what real leadership looks like, and that is he helps these individuals become more than they would have ever become themselves. Uh, this is one of the notable things about David's leadership, but the most notable thing of him as a whole is his passion for the heart of God. He had many men who followed him who became mighty in their own right, and they are known as David's mighty men. There were two levels of them. There were three who were the most legendary, shall we say. Uh, they were the most notable, but then there was a second, almost like tear down, of 30 men who were mighty men. The Bible doesn't tell us stories of all of them, but the Bible does tell us some interesting stories about many of them. One of them was named Benaniah, and he, his story is told in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verses 22 to 25. There were three deeds that were legendary in his story, three things he did. For time's sake, I'm just going to talk about one of them. I think it is a timely subject, and that deed is simply this. Uh, he went down and slew a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. Now you see where I got the snow day sermon from. He was a mighty warrior, and for some reason, perhaps a desire to demonstrate courage to men he was leading, perhaps an effort to demonstrate to the men who followed him that they could do greater things than they ever imagined. Something like this motivated him 
to take the greatest of chances, and that is to fight single combat, the greatest of beasts, a lion. And he did it in the worst possible place, in the worst possible weather. I say the worst possible place because it's in a pit and you cannot get away, you cannot run, you cannot hide. However, more on that in just a moment. And secondly, on the worst possible day because of the snow. Uh, humans do not have claws on their feet. Now, if you don't cut your toenails for a while, you might have something similar, but they won't be any good for gripping the ground. Lions, however, in all four paws have tremendous claws, so strong, so formidable, that they can literally climb a tree if necessary. Um, snow would not bother them because it would be like them having tire chains on their vehicle racing you and you just don't have regular tires. You could see the difference in this, particularly if you've been driving in the snow recently. Um, this is a bad situation for Benaniah, but to demonstrate something, to teach those who follow him, to demonstrate courage for his own soldiers who uh, look to him for leadership, he does this notable act of valor, leaps into this pit, fights this lion, single combat, and he slays the lion on a snow day. Now, growing up, I thought snow days meant you stayed home and slept in and drank uh, hot chocolate, sledded in the snow, and maybe your mother made you bring in wood like my mother did, but you get the idea. Uh, no one thinks that I'm going to fight my greatest challenge on a snow day. Uh, this past week, my family and I were in really, really bad winter condi conditions. And we were in a winter storm, but it was also a wind storm. And the wind was blowing so strong, it was white out conditions. And um, the road was terrible. Everybody was in the ditch. We were just trying to get where we're going. And uh, we were doing everything we could do. We had a four wheel drive vehicle. Uh, but in the middle of the storm, we were hit by another car. They couldn't stop. They knocked us sideways on the road, nearly knocked themselves off the road. Weren't going fast. No one was hurt. No one was fine. I mean, everyone was fine, I should say. Um, we found a place to pull off and we got out in this howling wind. I mean, howling wind going sideways. Um, and we tried to exchange information. It, it was a it was the kind of adventure that ends well, so it turns into a good story. Um, I think of staying cozy on snow days. I don't think of fighting lions on snow days. That's what Benaniah, Benaniah does. Now, in one regard, a pit is the worst possible place to fight a lion uh, because it... Um, you're stuck in close quarters. You cannot run for a tree or you understand what I'm saying? I don't know how much that would help you. But the pit in one way works for you. And this may surprise anyone who thinks about it. But a lion, in spite of their massive, shall we say, combat ability, their massive hunting and killing ability, and they are formidable killing machines, um, they primarily work uh, through ambush. And if they can ambush you, um, and knock you to the ground, um, they find hunting much easier. Now, with a human, they don't really need to ambush you. They're just that much stronger, that much better than, than we are. But when this mighty man leapt into a pit, he knew what he was facing and he chose the battle. 
The lion saw him on the lip of the cave and knew he was coming. And this was not a case of combat deception. This was a fight they both knew was coming. Interesting observation for the story, at least for me. A lion is called the king of beasts for a reason. It is a very powerful animal. Uh, Its bite can crush any bone in the human body, including your skull. Um, Its swipe of a paw is so powerful that if it were to connect you, connect correctly with your head or face, it could knock you unconscious. It could even kill you by breaking your neck or in perhaps even caving in your skull. There has been um, some stories of that kind of a thing happening. Uh, lions are formidable, and when they roar, we feel it. If you've ever been exposed to a lion's roar, we feel it uh, in our very bones. It's it's an uh, impressive animal. And here is Benaniah, a mighty man, saying, I'm going to fight you today. I'm going to fight you in the snow. I am not passing by this battle. I choose this battle. Let me just say to everyone watching here today, there are some battles in your life that you have to choose. You've struggled long enough. You've wrestled long enough. You have endured that temptation long enough. You have failed in your own self-delusion and self-deception long enough. It's time to fight a battle with it. Spiritually, we do not fight with the weapons of the flesh. We fight through prayer. We fight through fasting. We fight through the word of God. And we fight through speaking, choosing, and living faith. We put on the whole armor of God. But I want to speak to someone watching right now and say there may be some battles in your life that you choose. You have suffered long enough. It's time to take a spiritual stand. I want you to know that when that time is right, God will be with you. When your courage is right, God will be with you. When you decide to quit deceiving yourself about temptation, when you decide to quit covering sin, I want you to know God will be with you. If you've chosen recently to come public about sin, I want to commend you today. Those of you who have confessed to a brother, a sister, a spiritual mentor, a pastor, I want to commend you today. This is you saying, I'm not walking by the pit and pretending like there's not a lion in it. I am facing this battle. This is what Benaniah does. He faces the enemy and he leaps into the pit to have a showdown. I don't know what your lion is, but I know this. We all of us face adversaries in our life. They can be physical as far as sickness and disease and tough times of uh, hospitalization and injury recovery. And it can feel like a a lion in your life. And I, I have lived this personal experience myself. You get sick enough, it will affect you spiritually. You hurt long enough, it will affect you spiritually. I want to encourage those of you who are in some ways isolated or somewhat isolated from the spiritual life of the church. I want you to know that that can be a special danger and a unique challenge. You need to connect with other believers and let their faith encourage you. Let their testimony 
encourage you. You might fight the lion alone, but I want to tell you, don't celebrate alone. Tell your testimony. And I want to clarify, when I say alone, I don't mean completely alone. I mean, your brothers and your sisters may not know what you're fighting, but God knows everything you're going through. God sees every tear. He records every pain, and there is no temptation overtaking you except that which is ordinary to humanity. And Jesus has already shown justice, a perfect life. And so that means there is hope for your imperfect life. Jesus has already satisfied the law. That means there's hope for you and I who find it impossible to satisfy the law. Jesus has already shown how we can overcome all the temptations of the flesh. And he satisfied judgment on our behalf. And he took our sin. This is the gospel. You need to celebrate the gospel in your life. He took our sins instead of his righteousness. And he gave us his righteousness instead of our sins. You know what that means? That means every day a preacher has a pulpit or a microphone. He can preach hope to the sinner. That means every person you know in your place of work going through trouble and trauma, you can speak hope to that individual. Why? The gospel. The gospel changes everything. It's his righteousness. Have you lived a perfect life? I'll answer for you. <clears throat> uh, no, not even close. But there is one who lived a perfect life, and he's going to perform an asset swap. <laughs> his righteousness for your filthy rags. And here is more good news. He has already paid the price. It's not like he's trying to get his courage up to face the price. He has already faced the price. He bore his sins in our body. He descended to the depths of the earth and he led captivity captive. And when he emerged, he emerged with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Everything that haunts the human experience is under his feet. Everything that wakes us up in the cold hours of the night is under his feet. There is hope today in Jesus Christ. This is the gospel, my brother, my sister, my friend, my neighbor. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. People say, oh, you're no better than me. I don't know why you're a Christian. <laughs> Hello, that's why I'm a Christian, because I need righteousness to cover this unrighteousness. Do you see? All right, let me move along. What is the lion in your life? You might be facing the worst possible foe in the worst possible place in the worst possible weather. But I want you to know, in God, you are mighty. You are not mighty because you trained for it, although we do practice our faith. We do practice spiritual disciplines. The King James uses this word, exercise your faith, same thing. I want you, I want you to see that I, you really can't go to the gym to face a lion. There's not really some type of kung fu for a lion. You're not gonna box a lion. Well, you can box it once. Uh, and then your boxing career is summarily ended. Do you see? Um, this isn't something you get good enough for. This is something you are enabled by God to accomplish. You need to see this. We become mighty, not because we train for it, although we do exercise our faith. We become mighty because God has done what we could not do. You have a lion that is your adversary. But our Heavenly Father did not put off 
a confrontation with our enemy. He said, let's leap down into the pit and let's overcome this lion. And so the battle raged. Jesus walked the earth and then the enemy tried to kill him. The enemy did not understand what the battle was all about. But remember this, when in doubt, hell chooses to kill. When there's any question, hell chooses to kill. Uh, the sad reality is I know so-called Christians like that. If there's any doubt, if there's any uncertainty, they kill it. They kill the enemy, they kill the new believer, they kill the flawed person. Oh, they don't do it physically. Well, hopefully they don't. If they don't, they need to be locked up and the key thrown away. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, they, they kill the character, they say the bad word, they, they destroy the, the, the reputation, they do harm, they are religiously malevolent because there's doubt, let's kill it, let's clean it out. They have an Old Testament view of a New Testament gospel. Dearly beloved, this is not rightly dividing the word of God. We wanna have a heart that's open to the needs of humanity. God has slain the lion. The lion tried to kill the lamb, but the lamb has triumphed. How is it that this man, became a mighty man. Did he train for it? Well, I mean, maybe he might have trained some for his strength and his fighting ability in the manner of humans, but I want you to know that's not enough to face a lion. He needs something better uh, than a self-defense program. Um, I'm trying to imagine a self-defense program that would work on a lion. Maybe buy a really big rifle, but that's a great self-defense <laughs> plan for a, a lion. Um, however, there is teaching, insight, spiritual revelation in this name, Benaniah. I want you to be reminded that the Word of God often teaches us by a name. Uh, name will reveal character. Jacob means the supplanter. Uh, God changes his name to Israel, prince with God. What had happened, Jacob had been transformed. He changes Abram's name, which means exalted father, to Abraham, father of a multitude. He changes Sarah's name from Sarai, which means dominating, to Sarah, which means princess. I don't want to hear any newlyweds making jokes about God needs to change their wife's name. You know who you are. <laughs> he changed Peter's name from Simon, which means uh, a little stone, to Peter, which means a great rock. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he changes names to signify changed character, or he gives a name to give insight to the character from which we learn. This is what happens with Benaniah. The Bible tells us the name of Benaniah, and it tells us the name of his father, uh, Jehoiada. Benaniah means God builds, and Jehoiada means God knows. So let me say it in the birth order. His father's name is God knows, Jehoiada. And the son's name is Benaniah, God builds. Two central truths about the enemy we face in our life. God knows what you're fa facing, who you're facing, what you're facing, and God's building in you the spiritual might you need 
to be an overcomer. These two truths are how an individual can face a lion in the worst possible circumstances, in the worst possible weather, and be victorious. So, two truths, not applied to the story, but applied to you. Number one, God knows all about your troubles. God knows about your regrets. God knows about your errors. God knows about your secret sin. He knows about your dilemmas. There is no hiding from God. Know this about the battle in your life. God knows. But that's not the end of this story. That's just an introductory understanding to your need and God's supply. God not only knows who you are, God knows where you are. God knows how you feel. Our feelings are oftentimes a bigger enemy to us than our enemies, true. I pray every day of my life, God help me to see things as they are, not as they feel, because my emotions are a great source of deception in my life, and maybe in yours also. Uh, not, Not only does he know your secrets, your struggles, your regrets, your sins, but God is committed to building in you what he would have you to be. The first truth, God knows. And the second truth, God builds everything you're going through. It feels at the moment like it's crushing you, but there will be a day that comes where it feels like just a small thing and God used it to bring victory. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, this light affliction, Paul said, is but for a moment and is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. How about Romans 8, 18? I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This is the secret to every battle I fight. God knows it before I do, and God knows me before I go in it. And God builds in me who I need to become, and he builds in me a victory that only he can enable, empower, and birth. I am standing upon the two truths of facing the worst possible enemy in the worst possible weather, in the worst possible place, and that is this. God knows, and God is building in me somebody who is able to overcome. And so I want to say to every one of you, God is building in you who you need to be to overcome. There will be a moment when you're ready to face the lion, and you will face that personal tribulation. You will face that personal loss. The loss, the experience of loss and human experiences is is tremendously wide. But God will be with you and he will keep you. Have a great snow day. (laughs) Celebrate with your family. Play with your kids. We love you. We believe God has great things for you. I believe First Church is better having you in it. And I'm so thankful for the strong men and women of faith in First Church who serve as mighty men and women in the work of God in our church. I am a pastor, yes, but I cannot do my job without mighty men and women of faith. And our church is full of mighty men and women of faith who make everything different, everything possible 
for a leadership perspective. A Sunday never goes by where I don't tell somebody, thank you for being on my team. I take responsibility. I am the lead pastor. I get it. But I don't want to do it without you. Sometimes someone will tease, one of my leaders will tease about how they're staying home. And I'll say, if you're staying home, I'm staying home too. I don't want to do it without you. Our church is a unique collection of people from tremendously varied backgrounds. I think that's a God thing. We are a tremendous range of education. We have ridiculously educated pointy heads and we have people that didn't finish high school. Uh, And God has knit us together and in our respective ways, we can be mighty for God. Our church is a unique collection of people who are very needy and people who are quite, quite blessed by God. And I will be the first to say to you, there's a lot of things our church does, there's staff we have, there's events we do. And if it wasn't for those of you who had been uniquely blessed by God, God could trust you with money, blessing, abilities, business, talent, career opportunities, our church would be much diminished, but we have mighty men and women in our church. A lot of ministry happens in our church. I can't do it all. I just can't. Um, Preaching multiple times a week is enough to keep me nose to the grind. But there's a tremendous amount of real spiritual ministry that happens. Bible study, mentoring, confession, intercession that happens, events, serving, giving. It happens because of mighty men and women in our church. I salute you today in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. Have a great day and have victory on your snow day. God bless. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.